the philosophy of ministry stays the same, which is discipleship. However, the methods have to change considering difference in the environments. Hello and welcome to the Action Podcast from Bible League International. I'm your host, Michael Woolworth. The country of Peru is celebrating 200 years of independence, and Bible League is right there engaged in reaching thousands during this bicentennial year. Today we'll hear more about those exciting efforts and how William, a Bible League-trained volunteer, made a four-hour climb to engage a troubled family in God's Word. I'm joined by my colleague, Lucas Cicada, Director of Strategy for Latin American Ministries. Lucas, great to have you here. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you so much, first first of all, for the invitation to come here, share a little bit about what God is doing in Latin America. For me, it is always a blessing to speak about how God is opening doors and reaching many souls in Latin America through our partners, through the partners of Bible League. We'll get to all that soon enough. Um, But Lucas, I know you're a humble guy. You wouldn't volunteer this information, but you're an incredible soccer player, I'm told. Tell us kind of how you got involved in soccer and how you came to the U.S. I came to the U.S. I'm actually from Brazil. I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. But I got to the U.S. 12 years ago through soccer. I was a soccer player and I played soccer in college. And then I went on to play some semi-pro soccer and then to professional soccer for a while. And then I, pr- I played in Brazil. I played in Eastern Europe and then in the U.S. for a long time. And then I transitioned into ministry work. And now I get to to use a lot of those relationships also to talk about Jesus and to spread uh, his message of salvation. So it's a blessing, brother. Well, I know you've been a great blessing to uh, Bible League and uh, to the pastors, the lay people, those partners on the ground in Latin America, especially in Peru. We're going to talk about that country today. But tell us what you do uh, in your role with Bible League. I serve Bible League International as the director of strategy for Latin American ministries. And basically what I do is try to serve our partners on the field, the ones that are truly working with Phillips, working with church planters, uh, trying to reach people, talking to pastors, and so on. So my job is to try to serve them and give them whatever they need so they can reach more people. Well, that's quite an important role, Lucas, and I'm looking forward to hearing how you uh, carry that out uh, in the country of Peru. Um, They're celebrating their bicentennial this year, 200 years of independence from the country of Spain. We'll hear more about uh, some very exciting activities that Bible League is engaged in uh, during this very special uh, year. Um, You've been to Peru. I've actually been there several times uh, myself, but to give us a glimpse of what life is like in the country of Peru. First thing that I noticed in Peru is that Peru has various contexts. They have the coast, they have the forest, and they have the mountains. In all of them, the life is very different. And in all of them, the food is very amazing as well. So <laughs> it, the food in Peru is one of my favorite things. Uh, regardless if you are in the coast or if you are in the jungle or if you are in the mountains, really, it's, uh, it's amazing. The people, very welcoming very loving people and very hardworking people. Unfortunately, uh, life in Peru, especially because of systemic corruption over years now, mm. is very difficult and you don't see much of a middle class. You see a lot of disparity between uh, social classes over there. And now, because of the pandemic, this has been a little more difficult. There is a rise in terms of poverty in general in the country and high rates of unemployment. So they, mm. they get on the streets and they're selling drinks, candy, you know, on 
like corners of urban areas, urban centers, and, and they are trying to get by like that. So they need what they can gather today for the food of tomorrow, basically. And that's the majority in Peru. But the people, even in that circumstances, even sometimes working in two, three jobs or uh, almost barely home, they make it work and they continue to be very loving people. And in this last year, a lot of them have been a lot more open to the message of salvation of Jesus Christ because of the difficulty uh, in terms of economy and also some political crisis that they went through there. I, I noticed many of the same things when I visited uh, Peru several years ago on several occasions. You're right, the food is top-notch, isn't it? Um, you know, the Christians I met, uh, just like you just said, um, they have a great love for God, for His Word, and for His world. They really have a great sense of community, and I think that's why uh, this part of the world is quickly becoming a world center of Christianity. Talk a little bit more about Christians, uh, their faith. We hear it's authentic. It obviously contributes to this amazing growth that happens in that part of the world. It's why it's a world center of Christianity. Um, talk more about uh, the faith of Christians here. Yes. So Peru, everyone, regardless of the denomination or if it was a house church, they were really on fire for the Lord. Really, the church in Peru is currently going through a change in, in mindset. The church is whoever meets in the temple to uh, focus more on the individual relationship with Christ, which is great. And also a lot of people, especially in house churches, they're thinking a lot more about the social aspect, community-minded faith. This is something that is really helping people in Peru right now. And, the, and everyone there, especially in marginal areas of urban centers, as well as in rural areas, once they made a decision to be in Christ, they are not only unexpected, they are usually really involved in evangelism and discipleship. Well, I love what you're saying. I mean, it only backs up what I just said moments ago, that this is a world center of Christianity. It's because... The faith of Christians is real. It's vibrant. Uh, they're not afraid to live out who they are in Jesus Christ. Talk about how many Peruvians identify with the traditional religion here. Uh, the majority in Peru would say they are Catholics. And that's because uh, out of tradition, uh, Catholicism is still considered the major religion in Peru. However, most people that say that they are Catholics, they are nominal Catholics. So they're not really practicing their religion. It's just a matter of tradition. Yeah, and I believe that's the case uh, probably in a number of uh, Latin American countries. Here in the U.S., uh, Lucas, if you were to look at uh, research from organizations like Barna, I mean, they would show that church growth here is somewhat stunted. It's plateaued, maybe even has dipped a, a little bit. But uh, what is church growth like uh, in the country of Peru? Are, are churches growing there? In Peru... The church is growing uh, and is really active, even in the midst of so many restrictions due to the pandemic. The church had to innovate a lot uh, and go virtual in a lot of the urban centers of the country, something that they never done before. So the pandemic kind of pushed a lot of churches, being small, medium or large churches, to change their strategy to maintain relationship with their members or to try to expand their reach. So a lot of churches are using a lot more of social media platforms or using platforms also for gathering like Zoom, like WebEx and so on. So the church continues to grow. Of course, then in rural areas, areas that we work a lot at because we really serve the under-resourced church in Peru, the in-person meeting is still very important. But because there is this movement of the church not stopping and continue to be active and many people 
are really seeking for hope, the church continues to grow very well. Well, listeners, you know that the Bible League is all about engaging everyone in God's Word. I mean, I realize there's a place uh, and a time where it's appropriate to simply give out a Bible, but Lucas, Bible League goes beyond that, yes? Peru is moving more Bibles in this year, 2021, because of the pandemic, like never before. Like never before, because there are so many more people open to the gospel or searching for hope. So Bible League Peru continues to receive many requests for Bibles day in and day out. So there are other agencies. Sometimes they distribute Bibles or they sell the Bibles. The difference between every other ministry and Bible League is that we do not only place the Bibles in the hands of the people, but we truly help then engage with the Word of God. And that makes all the difference, uh, as you say. You mentioned the special context of Peru. Again, I've been there. I've seen these things. Uh, They're absolutely amazing. You've got the jungle, the mountains, uh, and the coast. Talk about how there's challenges to ministry uh, in a place like Peru, and then how Bible League is turning those challenges into opportunities. You know, Peru has many isolated and remote areas. So, the biggest challenge that we have sometimes, but also a great opportunity is to reach really the under-resourced churches in remote and isolated areas. Most of the other ministries in Peru, they usually are in the area of Lima, the capital, in other urban areas. But we are reaching places in which there is not even streets or highways to get to. You gotta get in there by walking through the jungle or by climbing the mountain. And we have committed people, Phillips and church planters, they are doing that. So that's the first challenge that we see when reaching people in remote and in isolated areas and people that are really more um, in under-resourced communities. The other thing that we see, really this area of follow-up and walking alongside faith, the church and other ministries in the past, they were used to do evangelism in the form of let's just put the word in the hands of people or let's... let's uh, get to a place and preach the word. But then the people of this place, the people of this under-resourced community, next day, they are back to the normal life without any contact with the word or without any idea on how to get their questions answered. So the relationship with Jesus is really hard to develop from there. What we do is change the mindset in this community. So we get a Philip and we get a church planter. We get someone in the local church to be committed to the idea of quality in terms of quantity in this process and work of evangelism and discipleship. And this is the, I believe that these are challenges because it's a change of mindset, is a work that people really have to do over time. You know, we have we have to shape trainers, we have to shape the Philip to really care and love the community and give a lot of the time to be really walking alongside and having conversations with people about their faith. Uh, but it's really being welcomed from a lot of communities and a lot of people across the entire nation. So these are our challenges, but also our opportunities. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of challenges. But it's amazing, Lucas, to hear how Bible League is turning those into gospel opportunities. I mean, one way you're doing that is by having Bible League volunteers, those pastors, those lay people, those evangelists who are willing to go the extra mile uh, to see that the gospel goes forth. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. Listen, you've talked about some of the challenges of uh, ministry in remote places. Talk about the challenges of ministry in a place like uh, Lima, the capital city. In the urban centers, as well as in the rural areas, the philosophy of ministry stays the same, which is focusing on 
discipleship and walking alongside people in faith. Mm -hmm. However, the the methods have to change considering the difference in the environments, right? So in urban centers, there's more technology. There are more people that can be rich in urban areas because of the amount of people that are usually within a big city and in the around the big city in the marginal areas of these larger cities and you have a lot of underdeveloped churches that need help in these marginal areas however the problem in these big large cities is usually that we are we continue to serve the under-resourced churches their members are usually people that are working on two three jobs at a time sometimes or people that that live in homes with eight to ten members uh, they do not have water and and they have to make life work so that time to commit to the ministry sometimes might be a challenge. So that is when we really have to have strategies aligned with our pastors in these regions so that the Phillips and the church planters uh, to continue to expand their churches uh, in these marginal regions. They have their areas of work really settled so that they can give as much as their time and commitment to these people that maybe cannot leave their home or have limited time. We have Philips that are going to go to the house of a family every week, maybe really late at night or maybe on the weekend, because that's the only time that these people can do something. Sometimes these people cannot go to church on a Sunday morning because they might be working or selling. So we have a Philip or a church planter that are going to visit them on Sunday night. And we have to work around these difficulties in terms of schedule because of the circumstances they live in. You're doing a great job, Lucas, of uh, painting a, a picture in our minds of life in an urban center like Lima, where there's um, a lot of uh, poverty, a lot of special circumstances where people find themselves, you know, living in a household of eight to 10 people, as you mentioned, holding down several jobs. But uh, what a joy that they want to follow Christ. They want to learn more about God's Word. And then you've got these wonderful volunteers that have figured out uh, the right times to minister uh, to these families and how to do it in those special circumstances. Um, our listeners are well acquainted with programs like Project Philip, uh, you know, using the Gospel of John booklet, and Church Planter Training. We've talked about those uh, a little bit uh, already today. Um, talk about how those programs uh, are contributing to the incredible growth we see uh, in a region of the world like Latin America. Um, talk about how those programs are being utilized uh, in Peru. The last year, training of Church Planter Training, as well as the planting of new churches, really were affected by the pandemic. However, the Project Philip continues to be widely accepted for youth, for children, and for adults. We usually serve many churches that they do not have any program of evangelism or discipleship. They have the idea, the desire, and they feel the calling to do it, but they don't have any means to develop their own programs. So we support them with the materials and the training. And it is a material that they can understand in the in under-resourced areas because of the easy-to-read version of the Bible in Spanish. And also because the training is very easy to understand and is biblically based. And we have Project Philip active in person as well as in virtual platforms. And we have this in remote areas in uh, rural areas as well as in urban regions and we have in the jungle context we have in the coast context as well as in the mountain areas. Well, I love hearing about this commitment to engage people in the far reaches of the country of Peru. I mean, very exciting to hear. 
2021 marks 200 years of independence for Peru from the country of Spain. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, Bible League has some big plans during this bicentennial year. Is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yeah. So this is very exciting, brother. This was a godly vision that our brother Alejandro, the Bible League director in Peru, had. And uh, he quickly uh, expanded to many other leaders in Peru, leaders of churches, leaders of partner ministries, leaders of small groups in communities uh, that are really remote and isolated. So the idea is to reach one million people this year with the Gospel of John and have these people truly changed and transformed by the Word of the Lord. So uh, we began because the celebration, according to Alejandro, is not only that Peru has been freed from Spain for 200 years, but it's also that since then, Peru has had the presence of the evangelical church throughout these 200 years. Mm. So it's also a celebration of the evangelical church in Peru growing and, and learning and helping, assisting people. It's very exciting. We got to really deliver all of the Gospel of John booklets to Peru before the start of this promotion of this idea, of this initiative. We have sent over a million copies of the Gospel of John in a special edition of the booklet to them. And and since July till now, there were more than 400,000 Gospel of John booklets already distributed. So it's way more than what we thought we would have, considering that we are basically going on only two months of uh, being active in this campaign, but the churches are asking for this booklet and really uh, loving the content of the booklet, not only the word of the Lord, but also the lessons that we have and the inductive questions that we have. So this is great. And so we have at this moment, Gospel of John booklets uh, on the border of uh, Peru and Ecuador, on the border of Peru and Chile, on the border of Peru and Bolivia, across the entire nation. Because we count on a very strategic system to reach churches and people across the entire country. We have uh, right now at least 25 coordinators, ministry coordinators that are working with our director, Alejandro, in Peru. And they are receiving amounts of this Project Philip so that we don't really focus on one area at a time, but that we focus on having enough pro- of this material across the entire nation for this campaign. Well, it's absolutely amazing to think that you started off with the goal of engaging one million Peruvians uh, with Project Philip, the Gospel of John, and you've already put 400,000 booklets out there. I mean, all over Peru. It's absolutely amazing. You know, we certainly need to pray uh, for this initiative during this bicentennial year, and I'll encourage our listeners uh, to do that. Um Lucas, you're the eyes and ears of Bible League in that part of the world. I mean, you've certainly uh, seen, you've heard uh, stories from that part of the world. This is one of those that you've been able to experience firsthand. Um, Tell us an amazing story from Peru. I love telling this story because I met the entire family. We took a car in Lima, in the capital, and drove to a marginal area outside of 
the city. And then from there, we had to take a, a motor taxi. So this is a, these are motorcycles in which the owners of the motorcycles put this cover of plastic mm. in yeah. the back seat of the motorcycle, basically, so that they can expand that to have more people sitting in the back. It's very, very popular there. <laughs> we had to use a motor taxi to kind of go up a mountain uh, until a certain point. And then he dropped us off. And then we had to climb to get to the house of this family on the top of this mountain. And th this whole process lasted about three and a half to four hours to reach the house of this family. When we got there, of course, not, none of that is paved at that, at that time, right? It's only dirt on the floor. It's only rocks outside. It is very dry. And the homes uh, on the top of this mountain, they have no supply of water. So they have no water. We get there. Okay, Lucas, let me stop you there, right? It's a... Great start to your story. Let me make sure I understand this right. So you and your travel companions, you've you've just left uh, Lima. You've uh, taken one of these uh, motorcycle taxi rides. I'm sure the driver was uh, speeding at uh, very high speeds. I've been on one of those. And then you reach the base of this mountain range and you climb. You literally are climbing four hours to the top of this mountain. Uh, I think I've got this right so far. What did you find at the top? We get there and we talk to a woman named Floor. Floor is a, at that time was a 36-year-old mother and she's very open to let us know about her past and who she is today. When she starts talking, uh, all the family comes out. It's uh, Amador, her husband, and then she has just so many ch children that I could not ever actually count uh, right away because it was a bit of a of a mess there with uh, all these kids like hugging us and jumping on us. <laughs> it was a, a very fun time, but basically it was 11 people on this household and they lived in this house that was basically made of plywood and some plastic tarp on the top. No floor, basically only dirt on the floor inside the house and outside the house. We get in the house to start talking and we all sit in one of the beds um, that the kids uh, sleep on. And then we begin talking a little bit about Flor's uh, past. Flor left home so early that she didn't remember when she actually left home. But it was very early because she was tired of the sexual and physical abuse from her dad and her brothers at the time. And then she quickly on the streets begin using drugs and drinking alcohol and also working in prostitution because she doesn't know how to raise money at that point or how to actually support her addiction. So she's living a, a very dark life at that moment. Very soon she starts having children. It's, it's a very uh, difficult life. Mm. She was involved in just the drug abuse like on, on a daily basis. And she didn't know how to really give anything to the children. And then right after that, she met Amador. Um, Amador is her current husband. Well, she already had children. He had children. They joined together and they start living uh, around Lima in an apartment that they needed to pay rent. So she got off the streets and then she started having children with Amador. So at that point, what she's doing is still being involved in prostitution. Uh, I believe that he is uh, involved in picking up trash from the streets and selling through to recycling centers and, and see what they can get from there. And they were about to lose 
the apartment because of not paying the rent. Uh, and also there were people that were threatening them to take the kids away from them. So in fear of that, they left that place. And then Amador decided to build this house on this marginal area of Lima. All right, let me pause you again just for a second. So, you, I mean, you're doing a great job of uh, giving us vivid details. I can picture uh, the home of Floor and and Amador uh, and their children were understanding their plight, uh, the, the drug, the alcohol use. Uh, the prostitution. Um, this is a troubled family, isn't it? And then you're going to talk a little bit, I'm sure, about some of the hope that comes into the story. I'll let you continue. She said that her life with Amador and the kids was very difficult because Amador also drank. She was drinking. They used to really yell and scream and, and curse at the kids. It was just normal. Uh, it was very normal for them to be um, in constant conflict. And they just thought life was that way. One day, they were fighting in their home as usual. And one person knocked on the door. The name of this person was William. William is a Philip of Bible League International that was trained as a Philip in the church on the base of that mountain where they live. An under-resourced church that today is uh, in a place that used to be a crack house in the past. So this guy knocks on the door and the mom and dad, Amador and Flor, they are basically too busy uh, arguing. They don't realize that someone is knocking on the door, but the kids hear and the kids open the door. And then he had seen and he asked, hey, uh, I would like to introduce you to the word of the Lord. Anyone open to this here? And Amador and Flor looked at each other and thought that it was too much a coincidence that someone was in their home asking that at that moment that was so heated and that they were struggling so much with anger. So Floor decided to give William a shot. And then from that moment, they started actually studying the Gospel of John uh, from Bible League International we're together. So just William and Floor, Amador was still not involved. But then William went and studied every single week with Floor until the moment that she accepted Jesus Christ in her heart. And then they continued the, the study for the discipleship study. And then her life was completely transformed. But Amador said that he could see a massive difference in Floor's life. Floor was speaking differently to the kids. She was speaking differently to him. He said, it's amazing that now we have really conversations. And that was really calling my attention. So he decided to give him a, to give Jesus an opening in his heart. And then he went to the church at the border of the hill with Floor. Floor at the time after the discipleship study decided she wanted to be a member of the church. And then uh, soon after that, Amador also uh, accepted Jesus Christ. And they became a couple that now was following Christ together. They were studying the word together and they were in a church. In the end of the interview, Floor told me, honestly, my, uh, my goal before I uh, got to know Christ was to die. So that, that story really touched my heart. We left that mountain that day with our hearts full. Then we went down to the church and visited the church, talked to the pastors, met William, the Philip as well, and hugged, and hugged him. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time of fellowship and celebrating what God has done. <laughs> Golly, I'm like worn out uh, from having heard that story. I mean, is that... That's what we're after, isn't it, Lucas? I mean, it's places some of us will never go. We won't want to go there. 
And yet Bible League is there through its partners, and they're engaging people with God's Word. This family, Floor, uh, her husband, their children, hopelessness. I mean, what a what a, a lot of dysfunction and just tragedy, a, a part of that story. But to think that that Bible League trained uh, volunteer would, would ascend that mountain, make that four-hour trip, and engage them with the Word of God. I mean, who else could orchestrate something like that but God? And then Lucas, to think— they came to saving faith, are members of the church, and then you get to descend that mountain after you meet with the family, and then you get to meet with the pastors, the lay people, William, the man that uh, just worked with his family and pointed them to Christ. I mean, absolutely amazing. I love this story, and I'm glad you've taken the time to share it. Uh, we're literally in the final minutes of our time together today. I know so many of our donors, they tune into this podcast. Um, Lucas, they're the ones that pray. They're the ones that fund this incredible ministry. Um, what would you say to them uh, in our final seconds together? Yeah. If we could be together, first of all, I think we will all be happy together for the impact of the word of the Lord, right? In in, in, the, in Latin America, in Peru, how God is opening doors and truly show them how the word of the Lord transforms people, how it really changes the life of people. I would invite the donor to keep dreaming big with us, to keep dreaming about more people, about, about more Gospel of John Booklets to reaching more people. Uh, the donors are not only really supporting us, they are partnering with us in this mission of evangelism and discipleship. So let's dream together. Lucas, thank you for those heartfelt words, and what a joy to hear what God is doing in Peru. And yes, let's dream together about reaching more for Christ. Friend, will you pray for Bible League International? You know, we can't do it alone, but through your generous support, we'll continue serving the under-resourced church globally through Bibles and training to transform lives worldwide through God's Word. Tell us what you think about this podcast by emailing your comments to podcast at BibleLeague.org. That's podcast at BibleLeague.org. Follow us on social media or visit BibleLeague.org. For this Action Podcast, I'm Michael Woolworth.